gorgeous weather we're having. Weather. That's really how we're starting. That's so sad. The one time Erica's not on in the beginning, we talk about weather. I mean, what's whiter than that? She's not that important that we should be talking about weather while she's on. (laughs) We we literally on right now. We literally have no culture without her. Well, happy Black History (laughs) Month. It's true. Today is the first day of Black History Month, and you know, I saw a lot of posts on Instagram saying. Happy Black History Month. And you know what? I chose not to post today. And it's not because I don't think that we should celebrate Black History Month. Wow. 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 (laughs) What is happening? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's not because I don't think that Black History Month is important. I was just so tired of seeing all of the same posts over and over and over and designed again without like any meaningful thought about what this month is for. And I was like, oh, I was like, all right, I need to, number one, come up with my plan because I didn't plan for anything. But I certainly, if I did, it would have been better than most of the shit I saw on the internet today. From well, you, like, have all, you have a month. I, I, I do have all month. Actually, you have all lifetime because black people don't just matter during the month of February. <laughs> just FYI, everyone. I saw something today that I really liked, which I think has been happening the past few years. But like, and I've kind of thought this way too. I had a meeting at work about it with our DEI people, but like, that like shouldn't we i mean it's it's great to celebrate black history but also like can we talk can we just like also talk about current black history you know like i know it's not history because it's current but like the idea of just talking about the current state of what it's like to be a black person in the country in america and in the world and i saw a lot of friends of mine who are african-americans share content like that that was more like there was a funny meme i think i sent to you guys that was like um white people just posting about the first this and the first black that and the first black woman to do this and the first black guy to do this, but not, and then like not giving a fuck about anything else that's to do with black people. But let's talk about Harriet Tubman because that makes us feel good. I, I saw that too. And like, I, it, it, that's like exactly the point, right? Like right now in black history month, like we have Republicans in Congress and parents in PTA groups promoting this wild thing about critical race theory and about how critical race theory needs to be banned from schools and kids shouldn't learn banned history. We're banning books. And I'm like, this is a wild moment to be happening. Like, and it's not a surprising moment. There's been a lot of moments in history where white people have tried to erase like people of color from curriculum or from social circles or from voting booths and all this stuff. But it's like, Oh my God, like we're starting off like Black History Month and people are like, oh, like we're so great. We're celebrating the first black female vice president. I'm like, that is amazing. That is so cool. But also like <laughs> our young kids if like, in school right now are like not even learning about black history at all. You know, like if we continue to ban these books and ban like any conversation around slavery or white people enslaving people, like it just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense with like the types of posts I was seeing today of just like, well, we still have much more work to do. We can. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, yes, we have more work to do. But also like the situation is a little fucking dire right now when you have like idiots like Ted Cruz going on and spewing nonsense about the, you know, the first black uh, nominee for the Supreme Court. It's just the whole thing. The whole thing is it's frustrating. End of rant. I don't know. Andrew, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. I I mean, it, we, we've just been seeing an acceleration of all of this stuff recently. And some of the people we talk about, we'll talk about today in this episode, um, are the tip of the spear 
with championing legislation and sponsoring and authoring legislation um, that is frankly anti-education. It's kind of mind-blowing, but I guess it shouldn't be if you look at the pattern over the last five to six years of what's been happening in our political landscape. Agreed. This is a deep start to an episode. I think we never we, do this. Yeah. Get us out of here. Take us out of here. Uh, well, let's get us out of Black History Month. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. Carry on to this. It's a good conversation. I don't want to say carry on to it because it's a conversation people should be having. But yeah, um, yeah. Let's let's carry it on. But we'll take it with us on our next flight. Take it with us on yeah. our next flight. <laughs> so. Um, Welcome back to Let's Unpack That, everybody. This is Season 3, Episode 8, and tonight we are unpacking our least favorite Republicans in Congress. And I'm Paul Warren, very excited to be here. I'm the host of this podcast, but joining me tonight, he's the only person on this podcast who doesn't have a least favorite Republican because he is one. He's our sound editor, Andrew Nagy. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't mean to come out to the world this way, but yes, I am a Republican. I don't you think know, this is coming out any longer, but <laughs> this is this is coming out Colton again. Uh, oh, not that. Oh, That's no. my least favorite Republican in Congress. <laughs> his voice is giving you Lady G. His politics are giving you Mitt Romney, but his social media presence is giving you AOC. He's our moderate Mary Kirk Wilson. <laughs> what in the hell? I don't even know what to say about that. Like, are we okay with the fact that like Lindsey Graham is like meeting men on dating apps? Under the pseudonym Lady G, <laughs> did we just? Wait, I did not know this. I thought you were. Talk- I thought you were calling me Lady Gaga. I was like, that's such a compliment. <laughs> no, Kirk. <laughs> I uh, like, I wait, wait. Can you explain that a little? Because I did not know about this. Yes. So, <laughs> not that we're not that we're talking about Lindsey Graham this episode, but Give we are. So, because this is. Literal news to me. Okay. Last week, the hashtag Lady Graham exploded on social media in response to allegations made on Twitter by gay adult film star Sean Harding against Senator Lindsey Graham of Southern Carolina. The hashtag, along with the abbreviated form Lady G, purportedly refers to Graham's nickname among male sex workers. What followed has been a bag of political commentary, wanton speculation, and downright trolling. This was from June 2020, in the peak of all of the protests. This story came out, and I think my body actually said, I cannot retain this information. Like, it cannot sit in my brain. (laughs) Oh, my God. I remember that, and it was was such a great time. What, What an innocent time. Do we think that's real? There, um, I remember reading something like, I think people really thought it was real for a couple of months. And then I think there was some maybe evidence that it was kind of all a troll, but I don't know. I I choose to believe it. (laughs) I choose to believe it as well. I choose to investigate this and (laughs) try to find him. And then, and then in February, the White House press secretary Jen Psaki was slammed for a homophobic tweet posted last year that refers to Lindsey Graham as Lady G. Yo, <laughs> she said only in 2020 does hashtag Lady G get to push a bunch of debunked conspiracy theories while questioning Sally Yates, aka an American hero. Wow. Okay, this I just feel like I went into a time turner. Someone call Hermione. Anyway, <laughs> though Erica's not here with us just yet. 
Um, she is celebrating Black History Month by reminding all of you white women listeners that there are no black women serving in the U.S. Senate. She's the OG co-host, Erica Ellis, and she'll be joining us momentarily. She's just on her way home from a celebration with some friends. Tonight, our topic is our least favorite Republicans, and we're already off the rails. So well, we mentioned Republicans, though. There's just too many. True, true. Um, I miss the days of the, you know, the John McCain Republican. <laughs> oh, get out of here, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> My so, father. Tonight, we are spotlighting the 214 Republicans serving in the U.S. House of Representatives and the 50 Republicans serving in the Senate. But first, some statistics. 27.5% of people who serve in Congress are women, despite the fact that women represent 51% of the United States population. As I said before, there are no black women serving in the U.S. Senate, despite a record number of black women running for office. Another statistic that would cause some alarm about the makeup of Congress today is that 9.8% of people who serve in Congress are Hispanic or Latino, despite the fact that 18% of the U.S. population identifies as Hispanic or Latino. And 55.4% of people who serve in Congress are Protestant, Baptist, or Methodist, despite the fact that they are only 43% of the religious population in the United States. Again, an overrepresentation. Another overrepresentation, if you couldn't deduce from the statistics I shared before, is that non-Hispanic white Americans account for 77% of voting members in the newest Congress, the one that we pushed in in 2021. It's a considerably larger share than their 60% of the U.S. population overall, and this gap has not narrowed with time. In 1981, 94% of members of Congress were white, compared with 80% of the U.S. population. So it still remains a massive overrepresentation problem. Our Congress is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly religious. I know that probably doesn't surprise many of the listeners of this podcast, but it is important to understand the context of, that, of this situation tonight. The Republicans in Congress are overwhelmingly older, whiter, religious, and more likely to be men than women, which means that the people that vote for them also tend to be older, whiter, and more religious too. And unfortunately for a lot of us, the policies that they put in place are not necessarily representative of the people that vote for them, that they represent, or the nation as a whole. So tonight we're unpacking our least favorite Republicans in Congress. We're going to look at the bills they support how long they've been serving, and what, if any, redeeming qualities they do have. And these aren't going to be your Ted Cruz's, your Mitch McConnell's, your Josh Howley's, or any of the other people we tend to complain about in Congress. We're going to try to cover some of the other people that we talk about a little less. So welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where these four queer or questionable millennials come together to talk about the things that are at the top of our mind through the lens of anxiety, depression, and everything in between. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, our least favorite Republicans in Congress. All right, everybody, and welcome back. So we've got a couple questions that we're sort of laying out as it relates to our least favorite Republicans in Congress. The first question is, who are they? The second one is, when were they first elected? And then we're going to get into some of their most radical beliefs, some of the policies they have pushed that concern us, and then also some of their memorable quotes. And Andrew, you are up first. And I know we've talked about this one on the podcast before, but she always gives us a reason to. So who are you covering tonight? <laughs> My girl, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She really is the gift that keeps on giving. 
Like, I don't think a day goes by that she does not do some silly shit and isn't in the news, which is exactly what she's trying to accomplish. And she's doing a bang up job at it. But she's not somebody who has a long history of politics. She's part of a new school of politicians that have cropped up over the last couple of years. Um, in a way, her and Lauren Boebert are sort of the Republican analogs to people like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Uh, they're, they're, you know, younger. They, um, they weren't in politics before they they got interested in politics and and they in some cases won races that were kind of long shots for them so before she got into politics uh, her father owned a successful construction company which he sold to Marjorie and her husband, and they ran it for a number of years um, apparently successfully um, and then in the Mid-2010s, she started a CrossFit gym, which she also later sold. So she came from money, and she had successful businesses, so she had plenty of money. Um, and she originally ran in the 6th District in Georgia in 2019, where she lives. But when the incumbent of the 14th District announced that he wasn't going to be running for re-election, she switched her campaign from the 6th District to the 14th District. Now, she doesn't live in the 14th District and never has. Um, the 6th District is a much more affluent district. The 14th is one of the poorest in Georgia. She, of course, is very, very affluent, very wealthy. And she switched to this other district, which is technically carpet bagging, but it's not illegal in the state of Georgia. The, the state of Georgia just requires that you live in the state. It doesn't matter if you live in that district. So she switched her campaign and she handily trounced her Republican opponents in the primary by a very wide margin. And then she easily beat the Democratic candidate because he withdrew shortly before the general election. Um, and depending on how you look at it, you could make an argument that she basically bullied him out of the race. His name was Kevin Van Ostale, and I, I don't think he really had a shot anyway because Georgia is heavily gerrymandered in favor of the Republicans, and he just didn't really have what it takes to beat somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was just an insane person. So some of her most radical beliefs are, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, <laughs> like if you had a dartboard of all the radical beliefs out there and you threw a dart, you would hit something she fully believed in. You'd probably hit Antifa and and then something else. Oh, you I mean, she's she's so far beyond. She's just like this cartoonish stereotype of the current far right of the Republican Party. She's like a female Alex Jones in a way. She says that, like a lot of us, she became politically engaged in 2016. Um, and in 2017, she started to write for... Uh, websites like American Truth Seekers, which is a conspiracy news website, and Law Enforcement Today, which is a fake news website. She wrote dozens and dozens and dozens of articles. In this time period, it's kind of weird. Like I think she had already sold her CrossFit gym, and I, I think she still had some ownership stake in the construction company, but she wasn't actively working there. So she had tons of time on her hand, and she was just writing these articles. 
And she was believing and espousing views from everything from QAnon to Pizzagate and other insane conspiracy theories like Hillary Clinton killing everyone from former aides to JFK Jr., George Soros being a Nazi and running the world, 9-11 trutherism, the Las Vegas shooting, just to name a few. I mean, she if, if it was out there, she probably believed in it. She has written about believing that Obama was secretly running the government even after he left office. And of course, she was the Congress member who on national TV brought up the whole Jewish space laser starting California wildfires conspiracy theory. In general, if it is far right, anti-Semitic, anti-democratic, and just plain evil, she believes in it. And I truly believe that she believes these things because she's just way too fucking earnest about it. I don't really think she's a grifter in in the way that a lot of these other Republican people are. I think she is a true believer of this stuff. And spending all that time on the internet and getting radicalized before she ran for office is is really what seems to have shaped her beliefs. I think she was already pretty far right in in her thinking, and but that seriously pushed her over the edge. She has kind of pulled back from a lot of this stuff now. Like she won't publicly talk about QAnon and she won't publicly talk about like some of these things. She alludes to it, but I think that's more that there's people in her administration that have told her, Hey, you got to knock this shit off. So once she was elected, they, they kind of pulled back on some of those things, but she still believes it all. Um, her her press people have told reporters that she has denounced that and reporters just, you know, repeat that, but it's not true. She's never actually come out and denounced any of this stuff, so she still believes it. Beyond the crazy shit that she believes, her policies that she pushes and signs her name to are just wild as well. I think we can sum up her political positions with two bills that she lists on her website. And one of them is like this like scrolling banner she has. The first bill is, is one that she sponsored and it's to eliminate the ATF, which is the federal uh, department that's in charge of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Basically if it's dangerous and explosive as, and, and could be used for terrorism or crime. Um, that's the ATF is involved. And the other one is a bill that she is co-sponsoring to eliminate the Department of Education. So she wants people to be stupider and she wants people to have more big boom booms. Beyond that, her website lists a whole slew of pro-Second Amendment, anti-immigration, anti-choice, anti-trans, and anti-education and CRT legislation. I mean, if you read her legislation page, it's just every single bill that involves any of those things, that's what she supports. And she doesn't have any legislation for anything remotely positive, like infrastructure or jobs or helping people really in any way with their lives. It's all this stuff about just negativity and anti this and anti that. If it is toxic and hateful, she supports it. The last thing is, uh, Paul, you asked us to find a quote. There are just way too many quotes from this freak of a woman. Um, But the one thing that does stand out is in March of 2019, before she was running 
for office. She took a trip to Washington, D.C., and I, I don't know if she went there because David Hogg was there or if she just happened to run across him at the same time. I think she was there for some pro-Second Amendment thing. She was also part of some political groups at the same time she was writing for these fake news websites. But David Hogg is a survivor of the Parkland school shooting, one of the worst. Um, he's, a, he's a young man. Um, I think he was still a teenager at this point, and he became an activist and went around, and and he still is, and and has given a lot of talks about gun control and school shootings and what we should do. And she found him out on the street as he was going from one meeting to another, and she filmed all this. And it's out there on the internet. You should just go find it. Um, there's not any single quote from this, but it's just her following this young man around, harassing him on the street, basically, and and demanding to know why he is using the dead bodies of children to take away our gun rights. It's absolutely fucking wild. And the fact that she got elected after that is just crazy. I think the lesson here is that you should never do CrossFit. Like why? Like we should never trust a CrossFit person. We should never elect a CrossFit person to office. I think that's what we all need to learn from this. Doesn't Lauren Boebert, isn't she into CrossFit? I didn't know about this CrossFit shit till right now to actually try. It's like, I didn't know, but then when you said it, I was oh, like, duh. Like, yeah, duh, duh. Of course she's anti-vax. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have friends that do CrossFit, but like, what? I just yeah. think the mind-boggling thing to me, and I, I love the idea of like starting something new and succeeding at it in life. But like when you, it, with politics, it just makes me feel so uncomfortable when someone wakes up politically in 2016 and then it's like, in the government in like 2017 like it just doesn't make much sense that that's that that is able to happen in this country it's not the same thing as just like getting a new hobby and then becoming successful at this is like the government it's one of those like contradictions of our system that's both good and bad like it's good that in theory almost anyone can run and and win and and get into government you know you get somebody like aoc but on on the flip side you get somebody like marjorie taylor green yeah that's true and i uh, you so did your research on her and i think it just like sets the tone for like how terrible the rest of them are because what does she do all day like she doesn't have any committee assignments right like she she's been stripped of all responsibility in lawmaking you know she doesn't actually do anything other than like put posters you know up that says like there are only two genders you know like handwritten posters with a sharpie marker around congress or like who did she go after? Ilan Omar, you know, like yep. a couple of weeks ago, they were like chasing after one another. Like, what does this person do? She's certainly not fighting for her constituents, right? Like, it, but they view her as a hero or not all of them, I shouldn't say, but like a lot of them probably view her as a hero because it's everybody's biggest goal to be canceled by the left and use that as a fucking rallying point for forever. Well, I think Pathetic. what is she is doing is what they wanted her to do, which is is not to go and sponsor boring bills about everyday things and you know go through the democratic process i i think she was elected because of who she is because they want her to sort of be a female version of trump 
just bully people and be loud and entertaining and make headlines. And it doesn't matter if she's actually writing legislation or getting things passed. And a lot of the stuff she's put her name to is stuff that would never pass. And I think she knows that. And it's not really supposed to pass. It's just supposed to grab headlines. You know, like she tried to say that um, Ilhan Omar wasn't a legitimately elected member of government because she swore in on a Quran, which nothing anywhere, there's no law that says that you have to swear on anything. Um, people just traditionally swear in on the Bible, of course, because that's the history of our nation. But she was trying to say because it was on the Quran, uh, she wasn't, you know, that was one of her vendettas. And she has a vendetta against Maxine Waters. She has two pieces of legislation to try to remove Maxine Waters from government, only because she realized it would grab headlines. I guess she could have picked anyone on the Democratic Party, but, you know, it's just, it's just shit to stir the pot that's all she's there to do and she's doing a great job of it say speaking of a a pot stir um my least favorite republican in congress is representative jim jordan and as a new citizen of the state of ohio i felt it was most important uh to do somebody from ohio so uh, congressman jim jordan is serving in ohio's fourth congressional district It is the notorious duck district, um, because if you look at the shape of it on the map, it is shaped like a duck because it has been gerrymandered to fuck. And I believe it takes like four and a half hours to drive from one end to the other. Um, He was first elected in 2007 um, when this district was still gerrymandered, but maybe not as badly as it is now. Um, The district is 88% white, and it literally circles around black and liberal cities to keep this man in power. A little bit about him and and who he is. Um, He's a four-time state champion and two-time collegiate champion in the sport of wrestling, which he believes has helped him prepare to take on some of the toughest political opponents in Washington. And I'll continue this story um, by not necessarily saying what some of his most radical beliefs are, um, but because I think a lot of people don't know this about him, if you're not from the state of Ohio or really in tune with politics, he was a assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State University from 87 to 95. And in 2018, OSU started an investigation into allegations of sexual misconduct against the physician, Richard Strauss, who worked directly with Jim Jordan. Um, Strauss actually killed himself in 2005. Um, But in 2018, eight former wrestlers said that Jim Jordan had been aware of but did not respond to allegations of sexual misconduct by the team physician. And Jordan's locker was next to Strauss's. And Jordan spent so much time in the locker room that Jim Jordan actually created and awarded a King of the Sauna certificate to the member of the team who spent the most time in the sauna talking smack. One, what a disgusting culture that it's like, yeah, like let's like talk smack. Let's like talk shit. And I'm going to like, who's going to get the King of the Sauna award? Number one, King of the Sauna, the reference is gay as hell, but like, I'm not going to go there. I was going to say that was me. I thought I won that award. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm running for office now. 
the you know allegations and the investigations continued. Um, Jim Jordan obviously refused to cooperate with investigations. Um, he described his accusers as pawns in a political plot and said he never heard about any locker room talk about this guy or about sexual abuse at Ohio State. And then in response to his denials, one of his friends said, I consider Jim Jordan a friend, but at the end of the day, he is absolutely lying if he says he doesn't know what was going on. All of the newspapers came out and said he needs to acknowledge what he knows. There's been additional filings after this. More information has continued to come out. Um, in February of 2020, uh, actually, um, one of the, the victims actually testified before the Ohio Civil Health Justice Committee saying that Jim Jordan called him crying, groveling, and begging him to go against his brother and describe Jordan as a coward. So he was literally trying to turn two brothers against one another so that he could get off. And I just, like, if you think about, okay, we have Donald Trump, right? We all know, grab them by the pussy. We have Matt Gates. We all know his Venmo affairs with underage women. We now have Jim Jordan, who, you know, suddenly becomes a big spokesperson for Trump because he's not afraid to look like an idiot on Fox News. And, and he's not, he's fine to go on CNN and all these other places and talk. Like, this is a man who knowingly aided and abetted like sexual assault, right? And for eight people to come forward and share this information just frustrates me to no end that like these people also get the benefit from all the QAnon conspiracy theories that like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and all these, you know, Democrats are like pedophiles. It just, it frustrates me. Um, but that aside, some of his obviously more radical beliefs, um, he obviously supported the big lie. He does not believe that Joe Biden should be the president. Um, he has said that over and over and over again and continues to capitalize on that. Um, in addition to that, he frames himself as somebody who is going to take on the tough opponents of Washington. He's going to clean up the swamp. And so I decided to do a little bit of research into the top contributors of his campaign. And uh, no surprise that the number one contributor is the uh, Cook Brothers industry, uh, of course, because how couldn't it be? They contributed $21,000 to his campaign, the House Freedom Fund, which is a political action committee that uh, he is involved in himself. Um, we also have Pfizer in here. We have Comcast in here. Uh, we have a petroleum company. Oh, Google contributing to him. But I'm sure he preaches about big tech. The national auto dealers, uh, we've got gun rights, we have AT&T, we have Deloitte, we have beer wholesalers, wine and spirits wholesalers, uh, UPS, uh, Western Mutual, Texas Children's Hospital. What the fuck is Texas Children's Hospital doing contributing to somebody in Ohio? Um, I heart media, uh, let's just keep going Microsoft, like American Airlines, like you just keep going down the list as to how all of these corporations funnel somebody like this. And then this guy has the ability to pitch himself as the relatable guy who's the, who's the, you know, innocent wrestling coach, wrestling champion hero from his hometown known in Ohio state university history, which for those of you who don't live here, OSU is life. Like it, it, there's of course like go Bengals or whatever is going on right now in the Super Bowl, But like, like OSU is the primary sort of like rallying point for sports, like in not just in the state, but specifically in the Columbus area and near Jim Jordan's district. And this guy gerrymanders his way into power by canceling out the vote of black people, gets exposed for sexual assault, like taking money from corporations like left and right, and then becomes Trump's lapdog during the Trump presidency. And I just... 
I find this particular person so frustrating because kind of like Marjorie Taylor Greene, as Andrew mentioned, it's just like he'll go anywhere and go as low as he needs to go in order to stay in power. Unlike Marjorie Taylor Greene, though, I'm not sure this guy actually believes the stuff that he says. This guy's got a master's degree in education. He's got like some other advanced degrees. I think he's, he's technically has a, a master's in law or a law degree, I guess I should say. Um, you know, like this is a guy who like actually is highly educated and is like, could have had a really successful career as an educator and as a legal, legal professor, but like just chooses to, whether he's guilty of all this like, covering up of sexual assault or not, like he chooses to, like spend his time just capitalizing off the Trump base, taking money from corporations and then spewing nonsense on the news because he's still a palatable member of the Republican Party where Marjorie Taylor Greene is never going to get interviewed for CNN. Right. You know, unless it's on some insane show. Um, memorable quotes. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, the House Judiciary Committee, which he oversees, uh, tweeted that. If the booster shots work, why don't they work? Um, pretty memorable in recent weeks. Uh, outright denial of science, I would say. Um, he also said, uh, someone is going to have to explain to me at some point how raising taxes on job creators is going to help create more jobs. Uh, again, the corporatist sympathizer through and through. I think a lot of people know that if you tax the hell out of corporations, they will have to fire workers. But there are companies that are paying zero taxes right now. It's about creating a more fair and equitable system. This guy just doesn't understand that. And uh, I think he's a creep. Around here, they call him Jim Jordan, uh, G-Y-M, um, to uh, nod to his sexual abuse uh, cover-ups in the past. Don't have a nice like button or bow to put on this, other than I just think he's a piece of garbage. And he's my least favorite. He's also like the smarmiest. You know what I mean? He has a very punchable face. Very punchable face. Very punchable face. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, Erica will join us. All right. And we are back for part two of this segment, unpacking our least favorite Republican senators. And Erica... You're finally here, so I'd love to do your intro. She's celebrating Black History Month by reminding white women that there are no black women serving in the United States Senate, and also that 44% of them voted for Donald Trump. She's our OG co-host, Erica Ellis. Wow, OG? I am. What's up, replacements? Second strings? <laughs> E-team? May I go on? Is this the great replacement I keep hearing about? <laughs> Jesus Lord. I need to quit. <laughs> um, well, Erica, at this point in the episode, we're going to turn to you um, for you to talk about your least favorite Republican in the Senate. Um, so would love to hear a little bit about yours, who they are, when they got elected, some of their favorite controversial opinions, statements and policies. So my man um is a mate, if you will, to Paul's, and that is Scott Gordon Perry, born May 27th, 1962, a crusty Gemini, just like my cat. Um, sorry to all Geminis out there. He served since 2013 is when he assumed office, and then he was reelected this past year. 
Um, he is a garbage human for so many reasons, but I think one of the most important ones is that he, A, he voted against awarding medals to police who defended the Capitol on January 6th, which is super chill, super cool, um, lied about the election being stolen. And when asked about giving these medals to, again, the officers who defended the Capitol, he said, and I quote, it's all garbage, which to be fair is a quote I also use often, but not uh, towards people who risk their lives fighting a whole bunch of angry dudes who look like they smell like Doritos and Mountain Dew. Andrew, I'm sorry if I offended your people. <laughs> I literally just ate Doritos, by the way. But Honestly, Doritos are kind of great. It's truly the Mountain Dew that I think makes yeah. you a lower specimen. Um, but in general, he is just, I think, very representative of, again, this, this idea of the new right um, or the new Republican Party. He is the chair of the House Freedom Caucus, which is the most conservative caucus within the House. Um, Kirk himself does love conservative caucuses. <laughs> what? Oh my god! Oh wait, I just ran back to my computer. <laughs> I mean, frankly, I like uh, conservative cock and asses, so it works there either way you go. Cock asses. <laughs> oh my god! Um, sorry, I like it started to. Oh no, no, I was gonna go right into another bad sexual pun but i'm gonna cut it here but you know overall i'm i'm gonna keep it short and simple this man is an absolute scumbag um and i think it really shows this double standard within this new republican party where it's a party of law and order until they're fighting for something that they believe in um so you know when it's people who are screaming because there are children locked in cages at the border or um people who are rightfully protesting because um, black people are getting killed at a much higher rate than white people, even though, and I will say this to our probably conservative hate listener, just because white people get killed more than black people by cops does not mean that per capita it is the same. So fuck all of you. Um, that's just a side note that I will keep repeating because it is Black History Month. Bitches. I was going to say a word that no one else in this podcast can say, but Andrew would have to believe it. So that's to say it, it really shows the just like kind of the BS within the party. Um, but the fact that there's a entire caucus filled with people who have this belief is deplorable. And this human garbage can um, of a being is the leader of it. So for that reason and for many other reasons, he is a giant pile of human waste um, one in which we should incinerate like we do the rest of our garbage or ship it to China, I think is what we do with our garbage for the most part, actually, which is another concern. Um, but yeah, he can suck my ass. And that is my official political opinion. Please send this to the Library of Congress. <laughs> put, it, put it on Kamala's resolute desk. <laughs> um, I don't know how to start this. Uh <laughs> I will say, as I read my notes to go get into this section, I feel like all these people are literally the same. Because like three things Erica said, I was like, oh, this guy has done the same thing. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to make this more original. Um, no, so mine is Paul Gosar from, sorry, Dr. Paul Gosar oh, from, um, 
from the wonderful state of Meghan McCain, Arizona. Um, he serves as a U.S. representative for the 4th Congressional District since 2013. Prior to that, he was elected in 2010 in the neighboring 1st Congressional District. He, I say doctor because he's a dentist, which I have no idea if he's a good one or not. But um, he's, he's not a, a real doctor, though. I, I don't know. I don't know if we have any formal dentist apology listening. to the dental community. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you've seen Andrew's teeth, you'd understand why he's saying that. Um, <laughs> First of all, Kirk, considering you don't smile, Andrew's at least- I don't have, I don't have to. <laughs> Someone literally I went on a date with once, I was like, I'm so happy you have teeth once I showed up because like I was concerned giving all your pictures you smile with your mouth closed. Honestly, anyway. why would he be mad about you not having teeth? <laughs> well, this doctor is a dentist and he was a small business owner, which I guess means he owned his own dental practice for 25 years. So again, I, if any of his patients want to come forward and tell us how good he is of, as, as a dentist, we can't really come for him for that. But that does not qualify you, I don't think, to run for fucking government. Okay? So he did and he won. And he's won multiple times, apparently, in Arizona. But um, for, on a I high hate- level, he... Uh, what? I hate this country so much. Anyway, on a high level, he opposes a lot of things that you would think he would oppose, like the Affordable Care Act, abortion, gun control, and immigration. Um, he's not really doing that great when it comes to the environment, considering in 2015 he scored a 3% on the National Environmental Scorecard of the League of Conservation Voters, which basically, you know, because he's a global, global warming denier, so... I would rather have scored a zero than gotten a three. Three. I know. I wonder what what are the th- what's the 3%. Something to do with teeth or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was a test or not, but he scored like percent. I'm pretty sure one of the questions was like, was it a little warm this October? And you dropped it kind of. In Arizona, it's always warm. <laughs> well, obviously, given all of the stances he, he um, has, he has earned more than 90 endorsements from President, former President Donald Trump heading into the midterm elections this year. He actually just attended a Trump rally, which... I don't know why those are still happening um, last month. And he was a guest speaker and spoke at that. Um, so it's not shocking. He's one of the many, but the few, many few that are really, really just like embracing Donald Trump still to this day, um, which obviously is not shocking that he has very large white nationalist ties. Um, I'm sure some of you will remember some of this. This is kind of the only reason I knew who he was prior to this, um, prior to this upcoming year. He's the congressman who told us in 2017 at the Unite the Right White Supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, I'm sure you all remember that, was really a left-white plot masterminded by Obama sympathizers to make Donald Trump look bad. Um, His support of conspiracy theories and alleged ties to the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, um, I don't know, uh, Andrew, that might be your friends, have sparked controversy. Um, and then one thing he did say about January 6th, uh, he was a big denier of that. Well, not denier. He was a big outspoken supporter of January 6th until this day, I think. So there was something came up, came up this past month as well, where he's still talking about January 6th and then obviously still supporting the, the lie that Donald Trump won the election. But he calls it the phony January 6th committee's partisan witch hunt continues as they have now set their sights on young conservative Christians like Nick Fuentes. I don't know if anyone here is, knows who Nick Fuentes is, but he was one of the people who was in Charlottesville, who was a neo-Nazi, who he attended last February at um, a counter CPAC event. He attended it with his special guest was Nick Fuentes, and they had a conversation together, um, again, who is a literal neo-Nazi. So yeah, um, I just want to interject to say there is absolutely no defending having any association with Nick Fuentes. Yeah. And, and multiple people that we have talked about tonight and in this Republican new right like him and have associated with him. So just 
remember that. Yeah, I mean, he literally, Fuentes said, I think when he followed up with Gosar at that event last, a year ago in February, which was post January 6th, he called the Capitol riot a as awesome and arguing that if the U.S. loses its white demographic core, then this is not America anymore, which is almost like a poem, actually. But um, <laughs> that this is who this Fuentes guy is. Um, also, one big thing he had, he did recently was claim to fame in November of this past year in 2021. He famously tweeted that altered video, anime video, showing um, himself killing AOC and then attacking President Biden that um, that got barely any reaction from the Republican side of the House either. There were some, obviously, but not completely. But I think when it comes to um, quotes, and I, and I don't know if it's worth reading any of his, so I figured I would just play a few quotes um, and let his, let his no. six... Let his so, six, I'm so tired. No, no, wait. Let his six siblings who ran an ad in 2018 to telling his yes. <laughs> congressional district not to vote for him. Yes. Oh, my God, please. Sure the congressman isn't doing anything to help rural America. Paul's absolutely not working for his district. If they care about health care, they care about their children's health care. They would hold him to account. If they care about jobs, they would hold him to account. If he actually cared about people in rural Arizona, I bet he'd be fighting for social security, for better access to health care. I, I bet he would be researching what is the most insightful water policy to help the environment of Arizona sustain itself and be successful. So I think that's just three of them. Those are his sisters and brothers. Um, but you should go check out that out where he, they literally tell you not to vote for his brother. And then the, they voted for that person's brother. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. That is iconic. Yeah. He said they were Hillary Clinton tribal something is what he said about them. And that's why he, <laughs> that she, he made this. They made this video. I need to put this in a perspective for people. We all know that most of the Trumps hate each other. I don't know if this was like commissioned by the opposition or if they just sat down and said, our idiot fucking brother is not going to listen and instead of sitting down at the dinner table to talk it out, they thought this man was so fucking deplorable. <laughs> they were like, let's skip the niceties and make a video. That is something that I would do to an enemy like Kirk, not a family member. I'm positive Thanksgiving was awkward that year. <laughs> he like tweeted something that was like, see you at the dinner table at mom and dad's or something like when, when, when the thing came out. <laughs> When the ad came out, Ugh. it was it was actually in support. It was he, they did it with the, the Democrat who was challenging. So they willingly okay. did this, but they willingly did it with yeah. the Democrat who was challenging him. It's interesting they didn't even do it with like the Republican, his Republican challenge, right. or like during the primary. I mean, they really may have, so. we just don't know about it, but like they literally dislike their brother so much that they were campaigning on the opposite side of they the endorsed. against him, releasing attack ads. A video that's iconic. It is iconic, and he's the oldest of ten, so that means there was three that um didn't so fuck them <laughs> so well that's a wrap on our least favorite republicans i think like you you guys kind of said it we all kind of echoed each other in some certain parts but i think that's the reality of it is that the republican party is so homogenous in how they think and how they act and how they breathe and how they vote and mitch mcconnell says something and they do it even though they talk shit on mitch mcconnell and trump tweets about him Everybody, for the most part, falls in line. And for Democrats, there is so much disagreement. There's so much public chastising. You have Joe Manchin today saying Build Back Better is dead. Then you have Bernie Sanders telling him it better not be because that's not what the American people want. It's like the Democrats have such a public display of, I guess, like democracy. But like it's also just like 
disagreement and like Republican Party has so much more of that more like cultish mindset. And it's not to say that every person who's a Republican is part of a cult, right? Because like that would be 76 million people that voted for Donald Trump. But like just that it's so singular in thought that that's why all of these people sound the same to us. So um, frustrating for sure. But um, I think important to remind everybody that almost every one of these people that we talked about is up for re-election, you know, this year. And that's why we need to stay active. We need to get active. And even though we're feeling exhausted by these people's beliefs and they say the same thing and you can almost predict it when you see them on TV, what they're going to say about masks and education and save our children and all this stuff. It's like, you know, their talking points, but like that, that should make them really easy to defeat because you can preempt what they're going to say. And we need to put like the best candidates forward. So please start giving to Democrats in your community, get engaged with the primary, figure it out who's running, bring somebody to the polls with you during the primaries. Like Texas's registration deadline for their primary already passed. Like we are in the thick of the midterms already. And uh, I guess not in the thick of, we are in the early days of the midterm though. And we all need to get active and stay active. But now that we have all this pent up frustration, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna say pack it up. And we are back with our final and favorite segment of the episode, and that is Pack It Up, where uh, we highlight a person, organization, or something in pop culture that needs to pipe it down and pack it up. Everyone is going to go, and I am going to go first, um, because I would like to pack it up to domestic terrorists. (laughs) And I realize that that should be an obvious pack it up. But we are recording this on February 1st, which is the first day of Black History Month. And right now, 12 historically Black colleges and universities, or HBCUs, had to close or cancel classes due to bomb threats. That is 10% of HBCUs nationwide that had to close because of bomb threats on the first day of Black History Month. Like, there's not a specific person. I'm grateful to the FBI that they were able to uncover this, warn the universities and let people know that this could potentially happen. But like what fucking world are we living in where like there could be mass bomb threats targeted at mostly black schools? And then on the other side, you have people saying we can't focus on critical race theory. We can't teach our kids that, you know, the racism is bad Like whatever the fuck it's like we are just so living in an alternate reality that shouldn't be surprising to anyone, but is so surprising to everyone. And so pack it up to the domestic terrorists uh, who plan these things um, and pack it up to the politicians who enable them because I'm so fucking done. Like, and pack it up to the people who deny that there's issues with race in this country. Uh And I honestly feel like that story is not, I mean, I saw it kind of in passing, but I honestly forgot about it until you just said it. Like, that needs to be more places. Like, it, what? Like, why is that not everywhere right now? Imagine if there was a bomb bomb threat at, like, Fox News or CNN. It would be there all was. Everywhere. It was it's everywhere. Pretty, yeah, right. It was everywhere. Everyone was like, the time's <laughs> I mean, as it should be, but, like, as should this be, yeah. considering it would have been, had it worked, how many people would have been killed? Yeah. <sighs> Kirk, what's your packet up? 
my pack it up is probably somebody that planted one of these bombs, which is not even funny, but there is a person who's parked outside of my fucking house right now to this moment. And I wish I could visually show you what the fuck it is. I'm going to describe it to you. There's a white man that is sitting outside my house that has about like 15 bumper stickers on it. I hope they can hear me that I'm going to read some of them. Okay. There is obviously a bunch of Trump 2020 ones, not 2024, but 2020. So they need to get rid of that. Um, Fuck Biden. Socialism sucks. Biden blows. I don't know if they know that like um, Joe Biden is not a socialist at all, but um, maybe they just they they think so. Um, I may be politically incorrect, but I am correct. That's what it's going to be on Erica's tombstone. Um, There's two that are actually really fucked up. That one is Black Guns Matter. And it's a picture of a fucking AR-15. And then I'm it's because I'm black, isn't it? And another picture of a gun basically making fun of the fact that black people are murdered by guns and with police with guns they're saying black guns matter i've never i've never seen that i don't maybe if i'm naive for not seeing that but i've literally never seen that before um where do you even buy that are you american or democrat which i thought was you know kind of funny um and then i'm an american your approval is not required we the unappreciated must do the unimaginable and see the unthinkable to protect the ungrateful. Like these words are so scary when you think about it. Like obviously they're talking about what they think is terrorists. Cause there's one on here. That's like, um, like a dead happy American is a dead terrorist or something, which like, obviously if there's a terrorist coming t- towards us, like would love them to be dead too. But like you are a terrorist for having shit like this on your fucking van. I mean, I mean, I can only assume you're, you're, you're acting like you need to do the most extreme things because I mean, they're claiming, you know, that when 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 tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. That's literally saying if I don't like something and the way that I'm going to take it into my own hands and kill people and fight against it. Like this is literally sitting outside my house right now. I don't know what to do about it. There's obviously a let's go Brandon sticker. There's a Joe and the Ho got to go in like the Joe and Kamala font. And one says I am deplorable, which he's right. He is Ugh, someone I know had one of those pins. Sounds like a real snowflake. It's just, exactly. Like, the fact that you need to go put that all over your car is bizarre to me. It's like the opposite of what they preach. Uh, they need to shout it to the world, I guess. It's bizarre. And they also, they covered their license plate while their car was parked, which I thought was kind of funny. So yeah. I guess someone, someone <laughs> can't write down Someone can't report them or something. I don't know. If it's out there tomorrow, I bet that's it. Yeah. do some investigation. But yeah, so pack it up to domestic terrorists that live on my block. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what's your pack it up this week? I have a personal one. And it's it's for the people that I work with. You know, we are going on two years in this fucking pandemic and remote work and trying to live in a different way. And you'd think that everybody would have gotten the hang of it by now. But people are seem to be backsliding into the habits of sending emails at crazy times of night and early in the morning and not respecting people's personal time by asking for things with, you know, very little warning. Um, the thing that people I've noticed this year, again, they're starting to do like things got better at the, towards the end of 2021. I thought, I think people all got kind of got a hang, hang of it. Now I'm starting to get like people firing off random meetings onto my calendar not talking to me about it not asking me if i want to be involved in whatever stupid bullshit they have going on but just fucking meetings showing up for no good reason and it's always like the next day it's like 9 a.m the next morning and it's fucking 3 p.m in the afternoon or asking for projects and they're like oh um hey i know this is going to be difficult but uh i didn't plan correctly and now i need you to do something with two weeks and normally this would be like a four-week thing 
So I, I don't know what's going on, but people need to fucking calm the fuck down and respect people's personal space and their personal time. Do you think it's a thing that like it's like new year, new you, we've got to, you know, attack these projects and then we just are like incredibly unreasonable and then they tire themselves out by the fall. I don't know. I got an email at 9.30 last night asking me to do something by 9.30 that morning, which like I didn't start work until 8.50 and I had to go straight into a meeting. At what point was I going to do that? Like in my sleep? Like, was I supposed to check my email before I started work? Or was I supposed to check it after 9.30 at night? Like that's like, I understand like, okay, maybe like seven o'clock. Let me see if anything came in. Like maybe I'll take a look. But like, at what point was I supposed to do that? Luckily, I got it done and nobody said anything, but I didn't get it done before 9.30, so it was definitely late. And the person that needed it was definitely sharing their screen when I sent the slides over. So, I don't know. I don't understand it, I, but I agree. Pack it up to people with unrealistic work expectations. Ugh, I co-sign that, Andrew. A co-sign pack it up. Yeah, I, I, I think we should just stop working, but that's the whole other thing. See, lazy <laughs> I think expect Expectation is just not good. That's why you want your student loans canceled so you don't have to work anymore. Good job. Uh, Erica, who or what are you packing up this week? Because I feel like you've got a list. Um, I do. But before I go to this list, I just want to name out some astounding nicknames that people have given Aaron Rodgers in the past few months. Throw Rogan. Rush Lambaugh. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Brett Farvermechton. <laughs> Yo. And then one I quite literally cannot pronounce. But that is to say, those were sounding. Those were great. Um, but I would like to pack up uh, the sports world in general because uh, I think over the past few weeks, it's been a little extra toxic. Um, last week, I went to see the Lake Show for this gaze that's the Lakers. Um and they went to the Ricky Lake. Oh, the Ricky Lake shows back on. I'm like, I, I literally, I was like, is Swan Lake back in Philly? He <laughs> was hot when Ricky Lake. Ooh, I love that remix. Um, but so good. so good. There was a Philadelphia fan who was calling Carmelo Anthony boy, telling him to get in the corner, boy, and keep playing, boy. Um, and that fan thankfully was removed from the arena but um the sports world kind of chalked it up to oh well that's philly for you no it's not that's that's not this city um that is some asshole from delco or monco oh, or oh. the fuck anyone from this podcast is from <laughs> let's hold on the monco slurs all right let's let's come <laughs> never um Wait, carmelo still plays i generally did not know this Yes. I'm going to Google this. I thought he was, I thought he, I thought he was like 63. Oh Lord. Um, no. <laughs> I don't watch basketball really. I can Dude. tell. He does. He does every Sunday pretend to be straight and watch the Eagles lose. I do. Um, but, and then on top of that, there's just been a lot of players who are coming out being anti-vax and that is across all leagues, uh, basketball, football, tennis. Um, and I think that it is just, you know the platform you have. And I think deep down they know that for a lot of people, COVID is a much higher risk than it is for them because these are people who will get the best medical care. 
um, possible. And I'm glad that in most instances, the leagues are standing up for them. Um, as we all know, Aaron Rodgers was banned from the Super Bowl he didn't make it to. Same with Tom Brady. And it just makes me happy that <laughs> they made this big stink. Only Wait, did Tom Brady make a stink? Yes. I don't remember that. Let's look it up. I mean, Tom Brady's always kind of been a piece of shit politically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. always he, kind of aligned that way. I agree. But, you know, I think that we need to remember that especially when we're talking to people about these things that these famous athletes are still just as likely to be pieces of shit as any of the people that we discussed today. Um, or, you know, the type of person who puts 892 stickers on the back of their pedo van. So um, pack it up to <laughs> all of those athletes and all of those fans who just don't know how to act fucking right. You are the reason why sports are toxic. You are the reason why there are whole communities who do not thrive in these um, environments, whether that be cisgender women or transgender women. Same with, you know, cisgender men and um, trans men as well, gay men, et cetera, et cetera. So people of color as well. Um, quite literally anyone who should be protected by the Supreme Court is shafted by the sports world. And that is why I think sports in general should pack it up, she says, as she's a part of like four different sports leagues. Uh, she was late for this because of dodgeball. Uh, no, I was late because dodgeball. I was watching men's volleyball. That <laughs> dodgeball on Sundays. Kirk, Kirk was so bad at volleyball that he assumed that it was dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> That's just <laughs> coming at his face constantly. But I don't like I don't dodge balls that often, but uh, I did it in gym class. You and oh. Jim Jordan. Anyway, um so <laughs> Isn't he a wrestler? What's going on? Okay. <laughs> this episode has been completely off the rails. And if you made it this far, I'm so proud of you. And you know what? Send me a DM. I, I will Venmo you five dollars if you have made it. <laughs> What's the hell? Because <laughs> I would cry if this bit, if this episode randomly just blew up. Blew up. I just I have never been like so disorganized as a host. I we recorded thirty minutes earlier. Is that what threw me off? We got like, it done pretty quickly though. It's under an hour and a half. Nine thirty. Yeah, it is. So uh, keep it up to us, but pack it up to. <laughs> my abilities um so uh thank you guys so much for joining thank you all so much for listening if you like this episode please let us know if you didn't like it um you can still let us know uh, just be nice about it we will see you next week um so thank you all so much for listening this has been another episode of let's unpack that mm-hmm.